The in-season tournament finale has been set. Lakers versus Pacers. We're talking all of the knockout round games. We're going to be talking the hot seat draft. Which players and coaches and maybe executives are on the hot seat? Patrick and I are going to be drafting our top three. And then a little hot streak shooting slump. All right, man. Lakers, Pacers. What? I know we we've got our final set. It's a a rematch of the two thousand one NBA finals. finals, which I know everybody is super excited about. Where do you want to start first, my friend? Let's start with Lakers Pelicans because that was the the non game of the night. Okay, okay, um, yeah. I mean, LeBron James, man. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the Lakers, I actually didn't even write the score out. The Lakers, I think, scored a million points, and I think the Pelicans scored yeah, like Yeah, it was 133 to 89. And um, that, I feel like that doesn't even do justice to how much of a blowout. No, I, like. I was saying to you earlier, when I was driving home, and it was, it was like a decision where I was like, I can either go straight home and catch the first quarter, or I can stop at the grocery store and then just pick it up at the second. And boy, what a mistake that was. Because by the time I got home, the game was already over. Like LeBron just thanos for Zion. Um, he just thanos them away. It's yeah. crazy. It was kind of funny last night. Like, you know, before the game, they have that crossover ESPN TNT. And they're like, this isn't a legacy game for LeBron. This is a legacy game for Zion. Like, if you're really Zion, you're him. You got to go at LeBron. And I don't know, the camera pants LeBron in his locker room looking at his, you know, unsubscribed pandora music and he's just locked in listening to some ad and i'm like oh man it's it's over like second quarter lebron is bombing threes third quarter it's just a barrage of lebron's just making insane passes like a no look underhand scoop lob to ad um i um so i went to the suns lakers in-season tournament quarterfinal game and i've seen lebron play at least one game live for the Lakers every year that he's been there. And I just feel like LeBron, not only is he playing with like the same, like just speed and power that he did in like his 2019, 2020 seasons, but it just seems like he really wants all these games, like extremely bad. And I I hate to admit this, but I, I think I'm getting to a point where I, I kind of need to apologize to the Lakers. Be, and, and I think, do we need to start, do I need to start thinking about the Lakers in the same way that we think about the Heat? Of like, the Heat, the, their statistical profile a lot of the times tells you that they're like this middle of the road team, but there's just this like it factor, this winning time, like, I don't know, thing that comes over them. Like, tell tell me what you're seeing. I, I see this giant see, smile I, on your face. I've been a Lakers believer all season. It's 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 two things. It's it's one, they have LeBron James, who just looks better than he has since any Lakers season other than the second one, with the first one with AD. Um, and then also it's AD. I think a lot of people just, uh, you know this, you're also a big AD guy, so this isn't new to you, but like people always sleep on just like, yes, game to game offensively, it's not always there with AD, but like, he is probably the best like defender in the NBA in terms of just like the Lakers like are like literally like trying to let people go at AD because they just know he's going to stop them. Whereas other teams are like, don't let them go to the rim at all. 
Um, and I think like, I think it's just with the Lakers, it's one of those things where a lot of their losses, I don't know if I'm making excuses, where it just seems like, oh, wow, they just shot like three of 30 from three. Like inexplicably, this team is just always bad at shooting threes. We w- This season we talked about like, they should be a really good three-point shooting team. Um, but I do think this particular matchup does make the Lakers maybe look a little bit better than they actually are just because absolutely, yeah. they like, are now 9-2 and two in the Anthony Davis era versus the Pelicans when AD plays. And a big part of that is like the Pelicans are this team that when you see them play the Kings and they're like, we're going to throw Herb Jones at you. We're going to throw Trey Jones at you. Not Trey Jones. Trey, uh, uh, Trey Mur- Murphy. Murphy at you. We're going to throw like all this size and athleticism at you. It's kind of like overwhelming for a normal size team like the Kings. But like... Last night, you just see, like, I think first possession of the game is, like, an and one for LeBron and Herb Jones is guarding him. And it's like, look, Herb Jones is an amazing defender. He can't guard LeBron James. Like, he just doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have it. Like, and I think that's the thing with the Pelicans is they're full of these guys who are, like, really good defensive players against normal NBA players. But when you're going against a team where it's, like, 250-pound freight train and uber-athletic, like, lob finisher in Davis, it's just really hard for that team. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that that they have that is non-quantifiable is they're just so smart. Like yeah. and, and of course that comes from LeBron and trickles down, but like to be as good of a defender as Anthony Davis is, you kind of have to be a basketball genius, and I'm sure being around LeBron for what this is their fifth season together, yeah. it it starts to rub off. Um, but yeah, I mean from the if we look over at the Pelicans, Damn, the Lakers were just disrespecting <laughs> Zion so much. Yeah, well, I mean, we so they brought this up on the broadcast, but at one point when the game was kind of out of hand at this point, the Pelicans run a four or five pick and roll with Zion as the ball handler to get him going downhill. And like, dude, you're going downhill at LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, Willie Green, like, yeah. come on, man. But at the same time, I don't really know what he's supposed to do because this is the type of game where I do feel like Ingram kind of disappears in. Yeah, I mean... The whole, I will say, for the Pelicans roster, like, it was just a rough shooting day in general. Like, they shot 35%. Like, they have better shooters than that. Um, But I feel like they just really fell right into the Lakers' game plan of, like, we're going to sag off you, Zion, and you can do whatever you want. If you want, like, we're ready for you to run right into us, like you said. Or, like, spray it out to the shooters. But it was just so... uh, disjointed their offense yeah i will say i think one thing the lakers did that the bucks didn't do when we get to that game is i feel like the lakers were like acutely aware of like we are bigger and stronger than this team um you know what i think is really funny though the lakers like in this new kind of like um king's era of basketball that started last season into this season obviously like it's like what five six games they've played against each other the kings have kind of owned the lakers during this little stretch um it's kind of funny that the Pelicans like match up so well with the Kings. I know. And then the Lakers match up so well with the Pelicans, but then the Kings seem to really with their pace and space give the Lakers a lot of problems. It's a kind of fun a fun like three team ring around the Rosie with those three. That is exactly why the West playoffs for the last couple of years have been so fun, but I feel like especially this year if we continue to be lucky other than the Suns with the um Injury health that we've seen for the most part in the Western Conference. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about about this game. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, Bucks and the, the Pacers. Um, I mean, right there, it was we kind of saw what we had talked about with the 
the Bucks is there when they're hitting their shots, they're amazing. And when they're not hitting their shots, they literally they can't bounce back because the defense isn't there in the same way. See, I, I I want to agree with you, but I also want to not disagree. But so to your point, the Bucks actually got like two wide open Brook Lopez threes, I think, in like their last seven possessions. One of them was like four feet behind the three point line. One of those weird things where it's like, dude, why aren't you just on the three point line? But Giannis was dominating this game the entire way. You could really see his size was just really overwhelming for Indiana. And it kind of felt like when the game was in that like 110, 112 range, like they kind of just stopped going to Giannis. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of those weird things where I know there's been this like, we're going to have Dane be the closer. But it's like, dude, kind of like when I watch that Pelicans-Lakers game, it's like, dude, LeBron is like 6'9". He's thick. He's just towering over guys who are, you know, pretty big and like Herb Jones and stuff. I watched this like Pacers-Bucks games. Like Giannis is literally like towering over. He's the most athletic guy in the court. Like, why aren't we going to Giannis? I kind of felt like the Bucks kind of like got lulled into pacer ball. They started playing a little bit more up-tempo than they wanted to. And, and if I'm Adrian Griffin, like, why am I not calling a timeout to be like, hey, guys, we are just like falling into the Pacers trap. Exactly. Exactly. Adrian Griffin, I don't know, man. I, I think the jury is still very much out on him. And like, yeah, how do you not just continue feeding Giannis the ball? After the game was out of reach a little bit, they like there was one play where they were really trying to hurry to catch up. I think they were down by like, by like five or eight points at, at that point, and there was like less than a minute yet left. But they they get the ball to Giannis, and he just immediately scores. Yeah, that's the possession. I think that's when I texted you. I was yeah. like, dude, why aren't they just going to Giannis? Because I know Giannis isn't the type of superstar where it's like you just ISO him a bunch of times and you tell him like go get it. But if there's any team that he could easily do that against, I think it is this. Pacers team. Okay, I have another like large broad thought on the Bucks and I need you to tell me if it's like just stupid Unhinged. or not. <laughs> it this Bucks team feels like how I thought it would have felt if you added Giannis to the Blazers and not adding Dame to the Bucks. Does that make sense? That actually does make sense. Like I if you told me last season that like oh, the Blazers signed Giannis. I would be like, okay, like they're like just really running up and down the court. The uh, the defense is all over the place because Giannis is the only person that can do anything there. But they're just like, they've got small guards. They're jacking up a bunch of threes. See, what doesn't make sense about this Bucks team, and I know Pacers fans, you guys want to talk about you, but like we talked about this on the Tuesday pod. This Bucks team is an elite half-court offense. So if there is ever a game where you're like, okay, they're trying to play at a million miles per hour. Why don't we slow it down and make this like a slog it out physical game, which normally the better team isn't the team that wants to do that. But like, that's the Bucks' advantage, I feel like. And like, it just felt weird that they wanted to play on the Pacers like spectrum of basketball and not their own in that in the fourth quarter of that game. Because like, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, it does feel like more like a like a 2018 Blazers team than it does feel like a 2021 Bucks team with better shooting. At the end of the day, and I've said this a million times, I think the best teams are able to like take the form of their best player and kind of like live in that. I think we see that in the Lakers right now with LeBron, and they're just not supporting Giannis in that way, I don't think. Okay, Pacers, Aaron Nesmith 
Is he the Giannis stopper? That's all they kept saying. Did you, over do you and watch Pacers games being like, wow, imagine if the Celtics kept this guy? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Too. He's, I mean, not that like the Celtics necessarily need like need him. Like he obviously wouldn't start for them. But yeah, I mean, what a steal in, in that Malcolm Brogdon trade. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Pacers, I mean, Halliburton, again, we talked about this on Tuesday as well. It's just like, the vision, the ability to score at like all the different levels of the defense. I mean, that's the crazy thing. It's kind of like, I mean, at the end of the day, like he iced the game on that step back three versus Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez missed his threes and sometimes make or miss. But like, I don't know, man. Halliburton kind of has that quality where you're like, you're way more surprised when he misses than when he makes it. I know. Like you're like genuinely like, oh my God, he missed. And I think he has the ugliest jump shot of anyone in NBA history. It looks history like his whole body. That you feel like that for. Yeah, his whole body is like contracting and twitching. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the ball is like perfectly arced and it just it splashes into the Doesn't loop. even touch rim ever. Yeah, I mean, this guy is, is on a heater and... Really, this is what the in-season tournament should be all about. No matter, honestly, for both the Pacers and the Lakers, the the great thing about this tournament, I think, in time, will be, like, no matter how the rest of the season goes. Like, if I told you that, like, one of the Lakers superstars got hurt and their season totally fell apart, you wouldn't be surprised. If I told you the Pacers, I don't know, something happened and it just didn't work anymore you wouldn't be shocked but we'll always we'll always have vegas baby and we can always look back and remember these guys playing super high level basketball it's just it makes the nba historian in me like my heart flutter um i'm so so excited for this this final matchup yeah i think it's gonna be a lot of fun um i guess i guess before we get to lakers pacers just so the Pacers now have beaten the Bucks and the Celtics in back-to-back games. The Miami Heat special. Yeah, they've they they pulled off the Heat special. They were obviously really good in their group play. That's why they were the two seed in the East, one seed in the East. I think they're the one seed. The they're on. They're both undefeated. They're both undefeated. So they haven't lost an in-season for a main game. Obviously, it's a little misleading. Kind of like the Lakers. The Lakers were undefeated so far, but also kind of like don't have like a fifteen and three record overall for a reason. Like they, it just. I think coincidentally, for some reason, maybe we're winning in-season tournament games when they weren't winning regular season games. Obviously, it heightens a little bit. I think that does help a team like the Lakers. But a team like the Pacers, like, I think we talked about, like, we're neither of us were super high on this team's ceiling, like, overall. But does this, does these, like, games versus the Bucks and Celtics change that for you? Or are you kind of like, nah? Um, yeah, it does. It does. I, I think up in, like... I never saw this Pacers team as a team that could win a playoff round. And I feel differently about that now. I don't know if they could win two. I definitely don't think they could win three. Uh, where are you feeling on that? I I kind of feel like I don't think they could beat this Bucks team or that Celtics team in a, in a seven-game series. Oh, me neither. I am not saying that. I think my thing is, I think if they can get a four seed or a three seed, which would be a huge jump for them from where they are in the standings right now, because they are dropping a lot of regular season games because of their defense, I think they can, I would pick them over any of the non-Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Heat. Yeah. But But I am a little worried about what they would look like versus those four teams in a seven-game series. Yeah, it would would be tough for sure. I just feel like, I don't know, in, if they can stay above, that play-in mix, 
I think they could win a first round series. It, of course, matchups are super dependent, um, but they just have a lot of really good dudes. They and, do. And I was I was texting you about this during the game. Their point guard room is like the most fun, like fan favorite hustle guy, like single position room in the NBA. I think like Nemhard is so much fun to watch. TJ McConnell is like just that classic, like satisfying, like hustle white dude on a Pacer team. And of course, Halliburton is a first team all NBA candidate. Yeah. So Lakers, Pacers. Lakers, Pacers. Let's go. Who are you picking? Um, I'm I'm going, I'm going with the Lakers. I just think they seem to be on a mission in like <laughs> such a weird way. It's gonna be a home game basically for them. Did you did you watch any of the uh inside the NBA afterwards? I didn't watch the afterward, but I watched a good amount of the the crossover, the ESPN TNT yes. crossover. Very uh, satisfying. Yeah, I, at least for me. But um, they you should watch. There's a couple bits that are great. They had um, Stephen A. play who he play for, which went exactly how you think that would go. <laughs> um, but I bring it up because they were doing the show outside, and there's just like a sea of Laker fans. Oh yeah, I mean Las Vegas is like I feel like that's almost like a second home for the Lakers in this like this sense. We kind of talked about this with the Suns too, where it was like. Look, if the Lakers or the Suns made it, they have a huge home court advantage yeah, over, over like the other teams. A four-hour drive. Especially the Lakers, which is such a massive fan base who is not a, who does travel well and is not afraid to throw money at things like this. And let's be honest. Anyone that is like a Las Vegas homegrown local, if you're choosing an NBA team, like who are you choosing? Yeah. You're choosing the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, as that's much as I hate that, but people from LA go to Vegas on a random Saturday on a whim anyway. And now they know the Lakers are playing there. Like this could be like a 95% Laker crowd. I would be shocked if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Like this is going to be a home game for <laughs> who's taking the flight from Indiana. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I hope you guys could come out for it, but even if they come, it's all going to be gold. Everything's going to be gold. And it's going to sound like Lakers fans. Um, yeah, I am also going to pick the Lakers. So there's like two things that are kind of like tugging me in both directions. Like, I think I saw some stat that I don't know how meaning it is. But I think it's like the Lakers. I think the Suns, maybe this is a misleading, but like haven't really beaten any of these great teams in their whole in-season run. You know, it's like the Suns were the best team they played. Obviously, no Booker in the regular season one. And then because obviously the Suns have been struggling, it kind of maybe misleads them. They're not as good as they show statistically. But like, um, and then it's like the Pacers just beat the Bucks and the Celtics. Pacers and they beat, beat the Sixers in and their group they play. Beat the Sixers. So like part of me is like, maybe the Pacers like. I'm team little, of destiny. I'm like little team of destiny, like giant slayer. But I think like when I just envision this game in my head, I kind of like, I kind of envision it being a blowout either direction. I weirdly don't think it's going to be a close game. Um, and I just feel like, I feel like the Lakers are a little bit more likely to blow them out just because I think the structural advantages they have, they're going to take advantage of in a way the Bucks didn't. Yeah. yeah I don't know. The I Lakers have this thing. You've seen it. They did this to Memphis in the playoffs where they, they kind of like have this demoralizing effect on the other teams sometimes. Absolutely. It's, but with their size, it's just hard to get things going. That, that was like going back to the Suns Lakers game that they, they 
more than a lot of teams are able to impart their style of play in a way that we were saying the Bucks needed to do, but absolutely couldn't, especially with like Vanderbilt back. Like they are just big. They're physical. It's really hard to like get actions going against them a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that's why I've really liked this Lakers team from the jump because it's kind of gone back to like the whole AD LeBron era. Is like they are really good at like making the game be played at their pace. Yeah, like absolutely. really good at that. They've been good at that. It's this very time. 2020 Lakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun. I think this is gonna be. I I do. I don't know why. I don't know why my head is telling me it's gonna be a blowout in either direction. Like if you told me that Halliburton just continues this like amazing cycle and is just torching D'Lo and like Halliburton has yet to have a turnover in knockout play I think that's gonna change yes most <laughs> yeah, I think he will have a turnover in this game but I'm ex- I want to talk about the in-season tournament overall uh, a little bit how did you feel about the Thursday I I'm fine with playing games on Thursday but having a two o'clock start time on the west coast is like insane to me like, I get that they're Eastern Conference teams, but, like... But that's a 5 o'clock start time. Yeah, like, that's still <laughs> early. Like, everyone's still just getting out of work over there. Like, I just don't understand the thought process at all behind that. Um, yeah, I mean, how did you feel? So, I thought about this a lot because, you know, Patrick, as a as an NFL and NBA fan, I was like, wow, the NBA is really lucky that we're getting like the worst Patriots team of all time and a Steelers team that's like borderline unwatchable because mm-hmm. um, next year they might not get so lucky. Yeah. So I thought about this, the IST, which I think it's funny because I never was calling it that until I saw it like everywhere, like the IST. It's a weird abbreviation, but the IST is Tuesdays and Fridays. Patrick. Why not keep the games at home courts for this this uh, semifinal round, right? Because I think one thing that the problem with Vegas is, one, Vegas is going to get a team soon. But two, it's it does such favor these Western teams in the finals. We're going to see that. Um, so why not move this to Friday and then play the championship game on Tuesday? Just keep it on the IST days. Keep it away from the NFL. Let it be its own thing. I think that just... I don't know. I feel like this is the workshop year, and I think that's a good fix. Like, let only the championship game be on the neutral court. Yeah, I love that idea. And like an added layer uh, of why I think doing it on that Tuesday makes so much sense is it's an added, like, present. It's like an added um, award for them is you get, you know, five days off and you get to go be in Vegas. But I really want to hammer home one thing you said. I think... I think these games need to be at, in front of home fans. Yeah, definitely. Because like, I think the one thing we learned, I think you saw it with the ticket prices in Vegas, was like they're selling the tickets to these Vegas games, but also fans are like, I don't even know who's playing yet. Yeah. And I think the other problem with it being in Vegas, that this is the big problem, is that game has to start so early because there's a gap between the games because it's being played on the same court. So they can't start back to back like a normal you know, mm-hmm. ESP or, you know, NBA Thursday can. So I think that's like a, that's like the secret big issue of why that first game has to start so early. So they have time to switch everything out. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of that. I'm also very interested. Like I felt like they did a really good job of like dimming the lights around the um, court. I'm um, su- tease. We're going to talk to someone who is there soon, um, like next week, but I'm interested, like, 
what was the turnout? Like, what was the vibe, especially of that first game? Like, locals weren't going. It was at two. Like, who is there? Is like, did a bunch of people from Milwaukee and Indiana like really make the trip for that Thursday game? I don't. I don't know. Like, I just I want to see it in front of home fans. Like that Indiana atmosphere was so awesome to watch on TV. The Lakers fans were going crazy in the Lakers Suns game that I went to. Um, I thought that was a really great environment. Um, are, is there any, do you have any other ideas to juice up the in-season tournament? Yeah, just keep moving it to the the, the the Friday and the Tuesday. I think I think the final has to be on a neutral court. Um, I just, it does feel right, but I don't know what they're going to do in two years, three years when Vegas gets its own team. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know, know what they're going to do if, like what? Because I just think that it is going to favor Western Conference teams. Like even if it were to be Denver, let's say it's Denver. I don't know Atlanta for whatever next year. Like unless, like I think unless the, it's a really small market Western team and a really big market Eastern team, like a Knicks, like it's almost always going to swing in favor of the Western Conference team too, which is a little like I don't know. I don't really care that much about the fairness of home court yeah. and the IST final, but it does seem like. Maybe they got to do home court or I don't know. What do you think? Um, I I think the one, the championship game being on a neutral court is fun. But like, what if, what if we got weird with it? What if we were like, let's go back to like one of the birthplaces of basketball. Let's go to like Kansas. I, play I, in the Jayhawks I stadium. like that. I, I've also thought like, how like weird can we get with like in-season tournament? Like so much of like, their branding is all based around like the city concepts. Like, could we play like some of these games in like weird venues in a city? Like, can we, I don't know, like do a game for the Lakers in Santa Monica, like somewhere really weird. Um, I think that could be fun, but I mean, I wouldn't be against having like the championship game at like MSG, like, Really, really historical. Yeah, venues. I wouldn't mind if they Super Bowled it, where they're like, "Hey, in four years, this is where the IST final is. If the Knicks make it, like the Knicks get home yeah, court. It's, it's just, just lucky for them because we went. I think forty. I think we went like fifty Super Bowls before home court actually ever showed up. And yeah. these tickets get sold ahead of time too, so it's not like if it's one game. It's yeah, it, it's not. It's that the IST deal. final. At the end yeah. of the day, like it's not the it's not the playoffs. Exactly. How are you feeling about the award? I there's been a lot of talk about that the 500 grand to do you think it's not enough? Is it not interesting it enough? Is like it just right? I think we talked about this too is like a lot of times the NBA does these things especially with the All-Star game where the first year it's really successful, right? The first year of the Elam ending, the first year of the player draft, it worked really well and then after two years, the players start taking the All-Star a little less seriously. This year, the IST was a huge success. We'll see what it looks like in three years. But it seems like, at least for this year, 500K was enough. Um, it's been funny seeing the NBA players like answer what they do with it. Anthony Davis said he'd buy his, I think, wife and like kids like Christmas gifts. <laughs> it's like, bro, you have <laughs> a crazy salary. Um, Zion just laughed like maniacally when they asked him what he would do with his money. Um, I think a lot of these guys are planning on blowing like a fifth of it that yeah. night if they win. Which I love for them. No, you know? I love that too. <laughs> like if I win the IST, I'm going to have like the craziest night in Vegas you've ever heard of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's just right. I've seen a lot of discourse around like potentially like 
putting a, a like a lottery pick on the line. Personally, I hate that. Like it's it would be super interesting, but I just feel like the draft at its core is to help bad teams get better. And yeah, the no. more and more like we already no. have the lottery. Keep we already have flattened yeah. odds. Like I just don't see I did it as have a good one solution. Radical idea. Well, maybe it's not that radical, but so I was actually gonna just say, I wanna know what the line is for like let's say the Pacers win the IST. Like whatever their first game is after the IST, I want to take the other team so bad. <laughs> like yeah. there's going to be a crazy hangover. Like someone's having a two, three day hangover. Like that that Pacers or the Lakers are not going to be full tilt for their first game after the IST. Like I want to hammer the other team. But I think like what if we gave the team that won the in-season tournament a W for the regular season standings and then just... I don't know, maybe take a regular season game away so they don't play 83. Let but them you don't punish the team. Game. But you don't punish the team that loses with a loss. So if you make it to the final, you don't get a regular season loss. But if you do win it, you get a W. I I like that, but I kind of like even better like the the team that you take the game away, they get a loss. <laughs> <laughs> but but the Pacers get or or the Pacers or the Lakers. They get to choose which game they don't want to play anymore. Oh, they're like, like <laughs> the Lakers are like, man, let's give the Nuggets a loss here, man. Exactly. <laughs> that's a real competitive advantage right there. Um, I mean, that's never going to happen in a million years. But it is funny. Also, they have to like televise them like survivor style, like. Maybe each player has to vote on which game they I'm want. I'm picturing the Heat being like, we're going to give the Pistons a loss. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't run from the grind. <laughs> That's so good. Um, um, I mean, my other idea for the in-season tournament reward is just to put a floor on your playoff like chances at the 10 seed for playing. So, like, even... If like, I don't know, all of your guys just get monstered and forget how to play basketball and you lose a million games, you can't go below the 10. Or if a terrible team has this like magical run in the in-season tournament, they get to be the 10th slot. Like even if the Pistons only win two games all year, but or five games all year, but those five games were all in-season tournament games. They're going to be the 10 slot in the plan. What do you think? I don't like it. <laughs> Why not? I don't like it either. Patrick's uh, <laughs> been shut down by the IST committee. Yeah. I, I I don't know. It's like I don't want to get too radical with it because I I have a bad feeling. Maybe I'm a pessimist. I just Year one always seems to go well when the NBA does these things. Like I need to see what it looks like two years from now. That's why I think it needs real bearing on whether you get in the playoffs or not. Like it, it, they need. I just I I agree with you. The, like the money's only gonna but be see, the draw for so long. I think the sneaky thing about the IST is the fact that the NBA needed it to begin with is a bad sign on the way the teams treat the regular season. And I just oh, absolutely I just don't want any reason for the regular season to get. For any, I don't know, just, I don't, I don't know. I'm just worried about that. Because, like, really, it's not that huge of an advantage if you're the 10 seed anyways. Like, you still, there's a big you mountain go to two climb. Games. Yeah. And it might, it most likely would never come into play. 
which is why I also like it. But um, fine, I'm taking my <laughs> my offering off of the uh, altar to the in season tournament gods. Okay, what about like if you win the in season tournament, you get like a special Mountain Dew ball that you can play with in the playoffs that like is worth four points when you shoot. <laughs> <laughs> You get like a two what minute if, like <laughs> super round where your all your points are doubled. Yeah. What if you win the in-season tournament? You can just handpick a player from another team to get loaned to you for the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> only only for one quarter. For one quarter. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my god, it's game. So we are bringing Jokic in. <laughs> <laughs> Once um, we have teleportation, that that's in. They we're doing it. Um. All right, one last thing on the IST everything. This ESPN TNT crossover, I didn't quite get why they did the broadcasters on the opposite networks. I thought that was a little strange. I mean, didn't really matter, honestly. Yeah. I don't feel like there's an outstanding broadcast crew in the NBA right now. No, I, I liked um, Reggie and uh, Breen's, like, I, I thought they, they did well together. If you would have told, if I was not a basketball fan, I would not have been able to tell that that was their first ever broadcast together. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually like Doc and um, Kevin Harlan together too. It's not that I think they're bad. I just think the NBA doesn't have that like killer broadcast crew that I feel like some other sports kind of have. But what did you think of the whole two panels with their their desks that were like facing the same direction, but they're like parallel with each other? I thought that was a weird setup, weird way to stage like, it. Chuck yeah. and Stephen A are screaming because they're literally <laughs> on opposite ends of the double desk, like. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I, I don't know what the better way to do it would be, but it definitely looked weird. I was kind of hoping instead of bringing both full crews, we kind of took like two people from each crew mm -hmm. and did like a combo. Because I'll be honest, what is Woj doing there, man? I know what is Woj doing Just, there. Like Bob Myers, like love him, like his insight. What is Bob Myers doing there? That's not why we were watching. Like, just put the people on the stage. That we want to see interact. Like, let's be honest. I think we just wanted Stephen A. and the TNTA guys. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. That's what we wanted. Uh, personally, I wanted Kendrick Perkins to be there as well, um, just for max chaos. But um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. My dream would have been if they brought RJ. Yeah, yeah RJ, RJ would have been, been so good with Chuck and and Shaq. They would have maybe gotten in a fight. I think JJ Redick would have gotten just too angry. Yeah. But. Yeah, I don't think JJ would have. Uh, I mean, of course he like is a ex Hooper. Like he would have gotten along with all of them, but his energy would just like dilute the energy that See, much. From I love chaos. JJ Redick because he is so quick to call out like bullshit and like he's awesome. We love you, JJ. But we really we we were there for Chuck and Stephen yeah, A. When you start <laughs> calling crazy. out Chuck and Shaq on their bullshit, like. They start to shut down, and that is not what we need. We want them spewing more bullshit than ever. Just pure lies. Yeah, Chuck telling Stephen A it's not first take and trying to make a pun out of it and, like, epically tripping over himself while doing so was... Vintage. Vintage, Vintage Charles Barkley right there. Yeah, next year, I, I hope they do it again, but they're, like, they do the whole, like, let's just handpick the best, like, three talent from each group and then just... Or just maybe even do, like... Kendrick, RJ, and Stephen A with the TNT guys. Just get a clean seven and just call it a day. Yeah. Or maybe they do the whole five-on-five five thing. They play a full game. Like, maybe they're just the – they're the halftime show or something. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But, um, yes, I hope they do it again. It was a great idea. 
I'm surprised that it's the first time that they've ever done something like this. And yeah, it, it seems like like Disney ESPN is like opening itself up to being a little bit more adulty than like, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, like super buttoned up Disney ABC kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I don't know. I know there's like young people like who are watching it, but like let's be honest, the the most like the core demographic of of NBA, of NFL, of all these sports is like guys between the age of like 16 and like probably like 40. And we're not offended by people drinking a beer or doing stuff. Like you don't need to be so PC. Like, I mean, Inside the NBA is on late. Like young kids are not watching Inside the NBA. It If they're on the East Coast, it's on at like what? 1 a.m. And then on the West Coast, it's already like 10. So kids go to sleep. like just have fun i think they need a little bit of like a little like spice of some like ex-euro guy on the espn set because it's like you see like luca after they dominated and he's like we're not here to fuck around he's like oh damn it like oh like dude you can't help but swear every two seconds (laughs) i just wish i like i mean the espn broad broadcast studio show has always been a mess but they just put too many like buttoned up guys like I wish they handled Woj more in the way that, what is it, Fox handles Jake Laser. Yeah. It's like he has this little like bit bit that he does. Like they up he updates everybody on the stuff and then he's done. Like I think like if we were to do like historical ESPN misstep, I think the big misstep they made with their broadcast show was like bringing in Bill Simmons and then putting him in a position to not be himself. And yeah. then letting him leave to start his own network. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I think that, like, if they had, like, made a show where, like, Bill was not, he's not going to fit into, like, a TNT mold, but it's, like, kind of a show that's more, like, it's, like, him, maybe Jalen Rose and, like, kind of guys like that. I think it would work a lot better. Absolutely. I mean, like, you have the one guy under your roof that thinks about things like that more than anyone else, like... At the time, I mean, of course, we were children at the time, but you just got to hand the keys over to Bill Simmons and be like, make this fun, make this watchable. And it's it really has never been watchable. The The only reason we ever talk about like a ESPN halftime show or, or something like that is because Kendrick Perkins is like barking at Malika Andrews. <laughs> like it's not it's not really like lasting laughs and lasting content it's not stuff that you want to go back to and remember it's just like boring let's get halftime over with kind of stuff yeah i just feel like espn just it needs to just stop being afraid of having fun it needs to stop being afraid of having guys who might just straight up be biased like you know what i love like when i'm watching like Fox Sundays is like when the Giants are terrible and it cuts to Strahan and he's like a wreck or Terry Bradshaw's like, how about them Steelers? <laughs> like it's I don't know. I we I kind of like the bias. Like that oh. 2013 draft was the best one ESPN ever did, where it's like it's like the Celtics select and Bill's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the emotion of sports is why we love sports. Absolutely. Yeah, I could not be more on board with you on that, no man. Um, and speaking of emotional moments, maybe my worst segue ever. Getting fired, an emotional moment. Yes, Patrick, getting we're doing, fired. We're doing the hot seat draft. The hot seat draft. So the way this is going to work is there are players that their seats are getting kind of hot. Maybe a uh, roster move is uh, on the horizon. 
coaches, of course, GMs, of course, we are always talking about which ones are on the hot seat, which ones jobs are in jeopardy. So today, me and James are going to draft a starting five, if you will, of people in the NBA that are on the hot seat. And um, Max, will you, uh, you're our master of ceremonies, yeah. our maxter of ceremonies, if you will. Nice one, Chuck. Thank you. <laughs> um, will you uh, kick us off? Um, okay, yeah. So to decide who goes first, I'm going to give you guys a quick stat here. Or, or sorry, guess a player. Okay. Um, and if you guys can't guess this player, then I'll do a stat. Um, okay. But so a big, big week for Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and part of what they've been talking about, commentators have been talking about is no turnovers. Like he just does not turn over the ball. So can you tell me the player in the NBA who had the most turnovers last season? You want to go rock, paper, scissors for first guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. Ooh, okay. Um, the player who had the most turnovers The player last with the season? most turnovers last season. I mean, uh, immediately my mind goes to Russell Westbrook, but he had a big gap in the season that he didn't play. So I'm thinking maybe it is not Russell Westbrook. But who could it be? Oh, I'm so bad with stuff like this. Can I, can I get a chance to steal, Patrick? Yeah, chance to steal. James Harden. Not James Harden. Oh. Ooh, that is a good, that is a good answer. Um, I will go with um maybe Jalen Green? Not Jalen Green. No, it's gotta be a lead ball handler. It's gonna be a really good player. I'll tell you that right now. If this is too hard, we can switch to the other the other thing. Okay, if it's not Harden, who's like a lead heliocentric ball handler? Luca? It, it's not Luca. Okay, it won't be Kyrie. I'm gonna do one more guess. Um, it's gonna be a heli. Is it a heliocentric kind of like wing guard type? Uh, it, it it's a point guard. I, okay, a, okay, it has to a, be. It's a true point guard. It's a true point guard. Hmm. But how true is it? Uh, who is it? We're gonna we're gonna Darren Fox. Here. It's Trey Young. Oh, oh, heliocentric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the sneaky thing about the legal legal and turnovers, it's always a really good player. Yeah. It's always yeah. someone who has the ball a lot and plays a lot of minutes. Yeah. Okay. I should have thought about that. Okay. So this next, uh, so uh, Zion is back in the league. I need you guys to tell me how many games Zion has played in his career, regular season games. Ooh. Okay. Okay. You can uh, have the first guess. I guessed a million times. Whoever's closest gets it, I guess. Within five would be ideal. I'm going to guess he's played a clean 83 games. Okay. I was going to guess 90. That was the number in my head. Who was closer? Uh, it's 133. Oh, so, so Patrick is closer. Patrick gets the dub on that one. All right. Okay. All right, so we're ranked. So to decide whose team is better, it's the collective temperature of the, the five seats. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> wow. This There's a lot of... Uh, People on my on my big board that I consider I'm considering for this first pick, mm -hmm. but um, I'm gonna have to go up to. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to decide how far up PCH I want to drive for this first. Pick oh, I'm on the opposite my coach. Um, okay, I'm yeah with the first pick in the hot seat draft. I am going to select Clay Thompson out of Golden State. Wow, he wasn't on my board. Um, yeah, I just feel like uh, he's 
we've talked about it a lot. He's having a very rough season. He's still only shooting like really the only value that he is offering is as a three point shooter. He's still only shooting 34%, which is I think a career low. Um, This really the crux of this is the Warriors are just a small team. They're a super small team. I think he's super repetitive in a way that Chris Paul, I was also considering for this, but um, Chris Paul just has that playmaking aspect to his game that I think adds to what the Warriors do in, in a way that Clay right now doesn't. They're both on expiring contracts. Clay's is $43 million this year. It would be so beneficial to replace that $43 million in roster like space with one, two, three guys that can contribute on this like super shallow Warriors team. So I am selecting Clay Thompson and I'm feeling good about it. See, I don't have Clay Thompson on my board because I just feel like the Warriors just don't want to trade him for whatever reason. You know, obvious reasons. He was with them the whole time. That's why I I feel like, Patrick, you are going to beat me in my draft, even though I don't feel like that particular seat's that hot. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who I feel like should have a hot seat. But the more I read about it, it doesn't seem like they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so with my first pick in the hot seat draft, I'm going to pick a coach. Uh, coaches usually tend to have hotter seats. I'm going with Billy Donovan. Ooh, nice pick. Uh, nice head pick. coach of the Chicago Bulls, who are an absolute mess. Um. Yeah, I don't even really know where to go. The Bulls just suck at basketball. They're bad at it. They're uncompetitive. Billy Donovan, we talked about this on Tuesday, losing mentality. Straight I, up, losing mentality. Like, I don't know. I feel like if you're the ownership of the Bulls, I don't know too much. Is it the Reindorf still? Yes. Yes. Jerry I don't know if they're going to be wanting to pay multiple coaches. That's always the sneaky thing about these things. But, yeah, man, like, this is – Yeah, I was looking all over the Bulls payroll – for who I wanted to put on my big board from the Bulls. And like, I I mean, I looked at a, a lot of players and I the reason I was kind of afraid of Billy Donovan is just the recent su- small success that they've had without Zach Levine. And I wonder if he could kind of spin it in a way like the Bulls are a traditionally kind of cheap franchise when they're not winning. And if Billy Donovan can spin it of like, hey, I just had a bunch of losers, like losing mentality, guys, like give me one more season with some some kids and I'll turn it around. But I say that that is a great pick. Yeah. So I don't know if this is going to spoil your draft board or my draft board. I, I had a hard time putting the Bulls players. Me too. Because as hot as Zach Levine's seat is and it is scorching. Nobody wants him. So if you can't get rid of him, it doesn't matter how hot how hot the seat is. Yeah. 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 No, the Bulls, um, they they were a difficult thing to and and now there's all this buzz that like, oh, we we don't want to trade Alex Cruz. So did you see this? Yeah, because, because he's their biggest success story. You did you just signed him as a free agent. What? How is that a success story for your franchise? <laughs> a good signing. Yeah, I guess. The best signing they've had. They were able to sign a sixth man. Wow. Like, Alex Caruso is good, but, like, come on. Like, 
So wait, snake draft or do you get the third pick here? Um, we didn't discuss this. Um, however you want to do it. Uh, you go ahead. Okay. Okay. We'll go back and forth. Um, luckily my guy, um, further up in the Pacific Northwest was, is still on the board right now. And I'm going to go with hall of fame point guard and head coach of the Portland trailblazers, Chauncey Billups. Chauncey has led the Blazers to a 6-14 and 14 record right now. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why I like Chauncey, and I think his seat should be pretty hot. One of which being he did not sign up for this. Like, when he signed up to be the Blazers coach, he had Damian Lillard, and it was like, yeah, we're going to like make a push to be this winning team, and that is not the roster right now. Um, but the biggest reason is who better to mentor a like very high lottery pick point guard than like Mr. Big Shot, like one of the greatest winners we've seen in Chauncey Billups. And Scoot Henderson has been ab- abjectly awful. <laughs> Nine points per game, 35% from the field, four assists to three turnovers a game, like if I'm a Portland Trails Trailblazers fan and this is what I'm getting in like the tutelage of our like next great player, I'm smashing my face on my coffee table. Um yeah. I mean, 30th in offensive rating, uh 12th in defensive rating, which isn't so bad, but I think they have like pretty good personnel on defense. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just it's, it's right there. Pick. It's a great pick. Um, all right, I will I will pass it to you, my friend. So this is where it gets really tough. Billy Donovan was like my tier one prospect in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh I kind of viewed this as like a I guess him and Chauncey him and Chauncey were kind of like the tier one guys for me. And then there's a big drop off. We've got a lot of candidates here. I've got a coach and a player from this team. Ah, how do I pick between these two? Where's do I pick the player or do I pick the coach? Ah. By the all way, right. Scoot does look really cool in those goggles. That's all I will say. <laughs> he does. He looks even more like '60s than he did before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think this this person's seat is a little bit hotter because I think he's more likely to go first. But I think both of their seats are really hot. I'm gonna go with Russell Westbrook. Okay. And it's not even because of Russell Westbrook's own doing. Uh, as you all know, I've been a staunch Westbrook hater, if you will, for a while. But I've, I feel like I've been a Westbrook defender yeah. for this whole Harden Clippers tenure. I really don't think it's his fault. But, I mean, it is his fault. Him and Harden really can't play together because he's an all horrible off-the-ball player. But, big note, Harden and Westbrook played zero minutes together in their win against the Nuggets. Wow. So their staggering of lineups has gotten to the point where Ty Lu just said, I'm not going to play them together. Normally, in a situation like this, the coach is the hot seat candidate, but... I just feel like they're going to let the Westbrook thing go to the side before they think about canning Ty Lu. Um, yeah, I, I feel bad for Westbrook. I feel like he had a nice fit on this team before Harden got here. Uh, this really isn't to just be anti-Westbrook. I just feel like Westbrook is going to kind of be the scapegoat here if they kind of continue playing 500 basketball and they have to completely stagger him and Harden. Yeah, I want to validate you. I think you made the the right decision. Tyron Lue is just too sexy of a name as a coach. And it's so easy to make Westbrook your, your scapegoat. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. After some of the worst um, 
point guard play performances of the Suns and the non-Devin Booker games. I I have dabbled in a few uh, Westbrook to the Suns. <laughs> oh, no. uh, that was KD. It'll never happen. Hey, but they got Brad Beal. They're buddies. The, the Wizards. Um, yeah, it probably won't happen. But um, I I think... That is a great um, option. And you know what I like about my team? I feel like Russell Westbrook was really successful last time I paired him with Billy Donovan. That's so, true. That's, oh, they have history. On my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, I am going to, this is going to be my first um, non Hall of Famer that I'm going to choose. And I'm actually going to cho- choose a GM. Um, and I'm, I'm choosing Troy Weaver the GM of the Pistons, um, mainly because I just want to talk about how like specially terrible this Pistons team has been. It kind of feels like they looked at the magic of like the 2010s who just kept stacking a million bigs who couldn't shoot, and they were like, that was awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> I mean, and they've got, they've got Monty Morris. They've got Alec Burks. They've got um, Bogdanovich, who hasn't really played. But like, They've got some vets that you would think would help you win a couple games. And not to mention the guy that you drafted number one overall that was like supposed to be this super special project or a prospect in Kate Cunningham. But I mean, like the, the thing is, like I thought about picking Monty Williams, but when you it's one thing to fire your coach, but it's another thing to fire your coach after his first season on his contract, when you made him the highest paid basketball coach in the history of basketball, when you signed him. But um, do you want to play a game? I have a fun I'm little- I'm always down to play a game. A little side mini game. Um, okay, first question. Do you know, so the Pistons are two and 19. That is the worst start in about eight years for any NBA team. Do you know which team- was the other like awful team the last team to match this mark? Eleven Bobcats. It was um more recent than that actually. Like fifteen Sixers. The fifteen Sixers is the okay. Exact, they actually did it in two thousand fourteen <laughs> and two thousand fifteen, and now just because I know I will tell you right now those Sixers teams would wreck this Pistons team. Yeah, I the I, process I agree. Sixers played really hard. They were bad, but they did play hard. Yeah, I love those teams. They have um, definitely worse talent, I will say, than this Pistons team. But I'll take them. I agree. I think they bro. would win. And I just so I know you love the process Sixers. This is pre Embiid. Yeah. How many players can you name on the 2015? 76ers. I've there's got it actually right a lot of guys who are still in the league. Yeah, there's a lot okay. of guys. It's, One Sar- of the guys. Saric were, is, was on that team, though? Um, Saric? No, I think he was on the next. Uh, was Is there Sixers a Thad team. Young? Thad there's, Young. Nerlens isn't on a team anymore, is he? Nerlens is on the team. Okay. Nerlens is on there. You got one. Um, There's. Well, no. MCW got traded. Yeah, Michael Carter was um, not on this God, team. God, who were the guards on that team? They were bad. There's one of them still in the NBA, and we were talking about him earlier. Um, I don't even know how just, to get... just. I, I don't know. The names are escaping me, but I know there's like a lot of guys who are still in the NBA. All the guys that are still in the NBA. We've got Ish Smith. Yes. He's a point guard on the team. 
Is Nerl Snowball still in the NBA? I don't know if Nerlens is still in the NBA. Um, That's why I was like, I was unsure about that one. But um, Robert Covington yes. was on this team. Jeremy Grant yes. was on this team. TJ McConnell was on this team. Um, and then Christian Wood was on this team. That team would wreck this Pistons team. I don't care how bad of the version of those guys it was. Like, I watched that team play. They were, like, oddly competitive in a lot of games. Yeah. Oh, also Rashawn Holmes was also on this team. Yeah, this team has a lot of talent. They're stacked with bigs, and they're better than the Pistons bigs. Not to mention 36-year-old Elton Brand, the guy. Okay. Who's the GM now? <laughs> or President GM, whatever know. he is. We're getting really sidetracked. You have we are. Troy Weaver. I've got Troy Weaver. I've got Chauncey Billups. I've got Clay Thompson, and I'm feeling great about myself. So I, I'm not going to lie. I actually had Monty Williams number two on my draft board, and the reason I have been so hesitant to draft him is because of that contracting, because coaches' salaries in the NBA, I believe, are fully guaranteed. I, I hope so. I, I hope know. not. I don't know. I feel like Monty Williams is doing an awful job. Uh, as bad as Troy Weaver is putting together this roster, I feel like Monty Williams just like, why are we not playing Jaden Ivey? Yeah. Like, clearly whatever you're doing right now isn't working. So this isn't even like a putting in the more experienced guy to get better. It's like, hey, dude, you're 2-19. and 19. You need to play a young guy who's actually going to try to develop at least... Okay, this is where I was tough. I don't want to pick him because I just feel like, yeah, it's going to be tough to fire him with that contract. Small market teams don't typically like to saddle themselves paying multiple coaches. Oh, man, this is tough. I feel like there's no one on the Lakers right now who's really on the hot seat territory. No, no. I mean, hey, not, not when you're in the in-season tournament finals. Everybody's eating fat when you're on the in, in the in-season tournament finals. Um... You know what? I'm just going to go Ty Lue. Okay. I'm just going to double okay. up on my Clippers. I just feel like Westbrook off the team, doesn't get off the team. At some point when star pairings don't work, it's always the coach who goes first. Yeah. And I'm just going to let NBA history make my decision for me. There was also so much buzz last offseason that like Ty Lue was interested in the Suns job and this and that. And well, also the small thing where like last year when they're like, hey, why, aren't, why isn't Kawhi playing? And he's like, I don't know. Well, I don't yeah. get why he's not playing. It's like, okay, he's not really down with Clippers culture, kind of feels like too. So just I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's not as many hot seats as you would think for how many horrible teams there are right now, but lukewarm. Yeah. Lukewarm. Um, okay. I mean, I think that's a good pick. I definitely would not be surprised if by the end of the season Tyloo was coaching for another team. Um, or by the start of next season, whatever. Uh, my next guy is someone who I'm sure you did not have on your draft board, but I will talk you through my thought process, and that is R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, um, he's had an okay start to the season, um, but I feel like the Knicks right now are, I think they're, they're starting to get a little stale. We've seen what the Knicks can do. Everyone on their roster would be the fourth best player on like a classic championship team. And other than maybe Jalen Brunson, like I think he could be better than that. But like that's a really great place to be as a franchise. Like most teams don't have that many quality players. But we're starting to get whispers. Sham said um, just like just a couple days ago that the Knicks are moderate monitoring the marketplace they want to see if there's a star player that's available. I don't know who necessarily is available, but I know that RJ Barrett is starting to make a lot of money. And 
if he wants to be on the next great New York Knicks team, he has to prove that he deserves to be on that team. He hasn't scored over 20 points since November 12th. And like, I don't, I just, if I'm a Knicks fan, I need more from him than that. And he just, there's a couple ways that the Knicks could do like a really huge trade, but the e- by far the easiest versions include RJ Barrett. But like probably like the best form that like the best universe that the Knicks could branch off into is the universe where RJ Barrett is a really awesome player and you just cobble together bad contracts with all your picks to get that like really great player. I just feel like this we're in a like paths diverging place for RJ Barrett. No, I like the pick. I think that's a good pick. Might be better than my Tyron Lue pick. I'll be honest. I, I I did a deep dive into like is Randall tradable, but man, Randall's got like two years, then a player option on his contract, and he's getting paid a lot. And I don't know what NBA team has watched the last three years of Knicks basketball and said, I want Julius Randall on my team. Not like that he's bad. Yeah. I think the Knicks problem to your point is like None of these guys are bad. It's just that you don't like Julius Randle is a guy that like if he's getting paid like 15, 18, 20 million, you're like, great, you know, because then the other thing that comes with a salary like that is the pecking order of offense when he's on your team. But when he's getting paid like 36 million, it's like, okay, I'm the number one, number two option on my team. And that's just not where you want Julius Randle as. I don't know if he's tradable. So that's why I couldn't put Randle on the hot seat. So I like the Barrett pick there. I was looking at the Knicks pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the thing with uh, Julius is like, honestly, like who else is going to take those shots? He's the only guy on their team that is just other than Brunson that is just like, I'll I'll take the shot. You know, I'll just do it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. This is where my draft board falls apart and I start picking at straws. I told you I had a really hard time with this exercise. Um, I'm going to go Trey Young. Okay. Trey Young's an absolute stud. He was on my he was he's, on my board. He's starting to rebound. I feel like there's quietly kind of been for like two years now. Like, do we really think we can build around a guy like this? Who's this kind of heliocentric at times? Who's this bad of a defensive liability at times? And I think like where there's steam, there's a pot and a little bit of water simmering, uh, maybe boiling. But and not yet. fire underneath there. And I think it's going to take a lot more of like 500 basketball before this really heats up. But it's it's like they just turn the burner on and we're just we're just seeing if we can cook with it. Yeah. That's yeah. It's an awful I'm, analogy. I thought <laughs> that was really good. It's <laughs> really good analogy. <laughs> I thought the Hawks were going to be a lot better than than they have been this year. Um, I've been a little bit disappointed in Trey. He started off the season shooting ice cold. So it's gotten better from there, but yeah, I mean, I I was it. The Hawks are a hard team to pick. You know, you know how much Trey Young stock I have in our little stock game. That's true. He's he is rebounding. Yeah, yeah, he's he's doing a little bit better. We're we're gonna be revisiting that pretty soon. soon. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was thinking like maybe Clint Capella. Like they just hired their GM. They just hired their coach. Like neither of those things are changing. Um. So Trey Young, he's the longest tenured guy there. It's about time. Um, anything else on Trey? No, I think Trey's a, a, a really good player. I kind of think it is going to be hard to build a really, really good team around Trey that can win with a championship with his defensive deficiencies. But um, yeah, I think it'd be nice to have, get Trey a new home. It's just hard with these like really ball dominant heliocentric guys to trade the midseason. But yeah, 
Yeah, you definitely got to find the perfect place. Okay, with my last pick, I'm feeling really great about my team. Um, and I'm going to bring on another coach. J.B. Bickerstaff of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I really thought about Bicker. You know, what, what What am I doing? I literally, when we when I sat down to do this exercise, he was the first name before Billy Donovan, before Monty Williams, before Chauncey. That literally came into my head, and I'm now realizing I didn't write him down. Oh, you know. <laughs> what, what am I doing? It'll happen. <laughs> You got to get on your uh, I, I'm your scouting department. No, What's I, going on? Yeah, my, the left side of my brain, really. I've got to fire them. Um, basically, like, the Cavs have been just okay and from being, like, a really awesome story the last two years. Um, they've had a, a drop in offensive rating um, by four points. They have had a drop in defensive rating by two points. But the biggest thing is... He has just not been able to make either of the Mobley-Allen fit work or the uh, Donovan Mitchell-Garland thing work. Both of those like mini pairings within their starting lineup have not like been elevated whatsoever. I think as someone, I was super high on Evan Mobley and and like he's been okay, but like I really haven't seen that much progression from him and if the Cavs lose in the first round again or even if they lost in the second round I just think he is such an easy person to lay that at the feet of yeah no I love that pick that again literally I'm that literally was going to be my first pick you know what also small thing Patrick a couple weeks ago me and you picked our teams that we thought would rise the standings you pick the Hawks, I pick the Cavs, and back-to-back hot seat draft picks. Yeah, <laughs> I um, know. We just so this is my final pick. Yes, this is your final pick. Okay, so this is a guy whose seat I don't actually know if it's hot, but I feel like it should be scorching. Masai Ujiri. There we go. You're a brave man. I just like why is OG still on the team? Like it's 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 the Raptors are this weird team. They. The way they handle themselves is like they're coming off their 2019 championship. I think we're all forgetting that happened like almost five years ago. That's almost like a half decade ago. Pre-COVID. Yeah. Like you guys are not a championship team. Straight up. Stop acting like one. Stop operating like one. Like trade OG for assets. Trade Siakam for assets. Like let Scotty play on a dysfunctional team for a year or two. Like build the team up. Like this is... They've wasted like three years of Raptors basketball. I I am so. How is he not like? How is this guy not on hot seat talk? You know, with I, they're not even a small market team, but like with a non traditional power in the NBA winning a championship, you just get a lot of rope. And, and Masai Ujiri got a lot of rope, and he is. I think he's close to the end of it. Um, but yeah, just. Losing asset after asset, the Fred Van Vliet asset, the Kyle Lowry asset for close to nothing. It like yeah, I think that's the the sneaky thing is like I think you look back, you're like, well, we won, you know, with Siakam playing a huge role. Siakam was awesome in those finals, right? He was going right at Draymond, scoring pretty consistently. Like, and but in the next postseason, he was also awesome. Yeah, like Siakam is awesome, but like it's just like Siakam is he's from the past iteration of the team. Yeah, free the man. Well, and the fit is just weird with Scotty. If Scotty's your dude, let Pascal, him be your dude. Yeah, Pascal doesn't fit. It's it's not a situation where you can like 
it's not like a, and this isn't a great one-to-one comp, but like, think about like the Mavs if Dirk was a little bit, if Dirk was younger and still playing close to the peak of his powers, him and Luca would have fit super well because they're not the exact same <laughs> archetype of player. But Pascal and Scotty, both lower levels of players than the guys I, I reference, but they're like the exact same thing, hopefully. Yeah, they both love to run into the paint, get the little spin move, exert their strength. Like not to mention OG. Like OG's doing the same thing. Like OG has so much I, last year OG's value was so high because teams would have had him for last year and this year. Now OG's an expiring. I believe there's a player option, but he's not taking it. Yeah, no way is he taking that. This is this is a mess. Like this is a this is a mess. Yeah. Well, it well, and you've got Masai Ujiri on your um hot seat team. Okay, so let's go over our teams real quick. I who did I select first? I got Clay Thompson. I got Chauncey Billups. I got Troy Weaver. I got RJ Barrett and JB Bickerstaff. I have Billy Donovan, Tyron Liu, Russell Westbrook, Trey Young, and Masai Ujiri. There we go. Hey, I think we got some great teams. We've got some great teams. Uh, Max, whose who's team is hotter in terms of the seat they're sitting on? Hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, maybe yours. You think so? Yeah, I think... I think it's tough though because I feel like your clay pick and my Maasai pick are like they should be hot, but yeah, they're just but not. They're they're not. The is there anybody that you felt were like obvious candidates that we didn't draft? Um, it's the first year Max hasn't had a Timberwolves coach that everyone needs to run out of town. I know. He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, for real. Kind of rocking with Chris Finch. He's kind of the guy. Um, man, that's tough. I, I I'm I'm on the spot right now, but yeah, um, Carl Towns. Cool to seat down. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Crazy. God and, bless. And Rudy Gobert. If we did this day one of the season, Towns would would have been my like number one pick. Right. At Dude. any point last season. Yeah. I would have said Rudy at the beginning of this season. Like, honestly, I was so like cold on him. But now I'm like, Dude, is, on the Rudy dude yeah. I don't like Deep him as point. a person. I would not want to hang out with him. Um, <laughs> but I'm in. I'm in on Rudy. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, only time will tell. Yeah, only time will tell. I, honestly, Patrick, I feel like we're both going to go like two of five or three of five, and it's just going to be a tie. Yeah. Uh, it, with the modern NBA, you wait two years, every coach is fired, every player's on a different team. So, All right, let's get to hot streak, shooting slump. Every week, we're going to decide if we had a hot streak or a shooting slump to describe the week. I, I'll go ahead. I had a shooting slump this week. Okay. Um. You know, I uh, recorded a video for my main channel. You know, I'm right now I'm operating solo. I need to kind of figure out my staffing situation. And uh, I just kind of forget how much work goes into doing this all by myself. Uh, I've had a few second channel videos. I recorded one. Uh, the, the gameplay file just has the face cam border on it, but not the face cam. Um, so there's just a black box covering the gameplay for like the entire hour long file. I had to re-record that. It's another video I've been working on for my second channel for about three, four weeks now, actually. And I'm just like, I'm almost done with it. And I'm kind of at the point where I just want to scrap it um, because of a gameplay recording issue I had two weeks ago. So it's like one of those things where I don't know. I just feel like a lot of things are not going well for me in my my YouTube side of the world right now. And um, yeah, you know, I still have a lot of back pain for no reason every morning, <laughs> but I'm about to start a hot streak because... After this podcast, the next week begins on the hot streak shooting slump, and I'm getting cupping done tomorrow morning, and there's nothing better than getting cupping done. I've I've never cupped. Never cupped. I've never cupped. 
Oh, yeah, what is God. it like? Okay, so basically, does it hurt? It does hurt, but it's like they do the cupping. They like kind of it like sucks up, and then all your skin kind of gets pulled up. And the whole point is it like brings blood to these areas that doesn't have it. But it's not just the cupping. It's that at least the guy I do it with, we do all these like stretches while the cups are on, and it, it it's excruciatingly painful. But like the moment it's finished, I feel like a brand new human being, and That's I feel like that brand new for like a month. Wow. Um, yeah. So I've been like needing this. So I'm like shooting slump this week because my work week was an utter disaster. But I'm put is it, putting myself in a position to streak yeah. up next week, and I want to get like a multi-week hot streak going. Yeah. You gotta. We gotta start stacking hot streaks. I, I gotta start stacking a hot streak. Um, I will go with. I, I'm on a, a a hot streak. Sure. I mean. There were definitely some lows, especially watching the end of that Suns Lakers game live. And like, I actually I was kind of grateful that I wasn't watching the whole like Austin Reeves loose ball gate um, on TV because in the crowd everyone was like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And there's no like, of course they didn't. Sh- they sure as hell didn't show the replay in, in Crypto.com Arena. Um, but I would have been much more upset and sad if I knew that it was just like a terribly botched call. Um, I was able to see it on Twitter, but I was I was I was invested in the game. But it was cool to see them play live. That was the first time I had seen KD play on the Suns, which was really cool, kind of like a mini bucket list thing there. Um, I had a show last week that went really well. Um, yeah, just, I'm enjoying the holiday season. Hot streak. Yeah, I'm on a hot streak. All right. Max, you hot streak or shooting slump? I want to ask you, is Austin Reeves him? Now uh, that you've seen him and you saw that shot in person. Honestly, I mean, he is him. <laughs> Austin Reeves is one of the more, like, eye test guys that I have ever seen. Like, the... I, I feel like the amount of separation that he's able to get on his crossover, you just like aren't able to like appreciate it as much um, on TV. Like that dude is very, very much a great player. I will not say that he is him. You All know right. who my biggest, <laughs> my biggest eye test guy I think ever I've ever seen just in terms of like he is really good on TV. But when you watch him in person, it's just it's like is his ball handling just blows me away was chris paul yes like he's good on tv but when you see chris paul in person man like and you can i don't (laughs) i don't understand how he doesn't average like 35 yeah (laughs) he's so so good and you can really see how much smaller he is yes the other guys live he is so unbelievably i think my my biggest eye test guy that i had ever seen was luca like he is just (laughs) something else like (laughs) You can just see how like strong he is in person at like the pace he plays with. Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, uh, I'm hot this week. I'm doing hot. Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, found out that I'm gonna go spend Christmas with my girlfriend's family in Boston, so it's gonna be cool. sick. Enemy territory. Yeah. yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. That's gonna be awesome. That'll be fun. All right. Well, this was this was a good episode. We kind of went all over the place. I feel like the Friday episodes have kind of turned into the like loosey goosey episode, and the Tuesdays like the more buttoned up. Yeah, deep it's like dive. we're wearing we're wearing our slacks and you know collared shirts on Tuesday. Friday we got our khaki shorts and Hawaiian shirts. But <laughs> hey, that's 
It's good to be in a in a Hawaiian shirt every once in a while. Um, all right. Well, I'm excited to uh, ha- to see this in season tournament final, and I hope uh, first guest on Tuesday. So first guest on Tuesday. Everybody have a great weekend. Peace. <laughs>